Welcome to the Wellbeing and Career World podcast. I'm delighted to be chatting with a lady whose superpower is being genetically optimistic. Leanne was diagnosed with relapsing and remitting multiple sclerosis in 2009 at the age of 29. However, she believes in finding the positive and negative situations is a skill that can be learned, practiced and perfected. Leanne has a mission to teach her time-tested tools to as many people as possible so they can experience the magic of positivity too. As a life coach, Leanne is here to help you. She's your personal cheerleader, supporter and advocate and has a goal to empower you to be in charge of your story. During her 12 years living with MS, Leanne founded a non-profit, tried to beat MS Kids Triathlon. After eight years, they have raised over $100,000 to help patients living with MS. Leanne has a true joy in her life, and that is being wife to Don and a mum to Marina, Paige, Hudson and Cadence. And on today's podcast, we'll be chatting about learning to cope with multiple sclerosis. A very well welcome to podcast, Leanne Stickle. How are you today, Leanne? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. Let's get this started. So where are you right now on planet Earth? Yeah, I am in central Illinois, so a few hours south of Chicago in the U.S. Wonderful. And how is the weather today? As an Irish man, we always have to ask about the weather. Are you sunning it up? Are you chilly? You know, we are partly cloudy and definitely chilly, which is very sad, but oh, it dear. is a reality. <laughs> how was your how was your holiday season and how was the new year? Holidays were lovely. I got to spend a week in Florida with part of my family. My my parents are smart and retired and head to Florida for <laughs> a few weeks. <laughs> oh, right. oh, the smart retired. Okay. Are they young? Youngish? They are mid sixties. Oh, so, so they are smart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they finished up early. What part of Florida? So near Tampa is where they landed this year. They normally are Fort Myers Beach, but that got hit by the hurricane. And so their normal spot was not an option. But they still found sunshine in the beach. And I mean, that is calling to the rest of us. We oh, A few nice. of us show up. <laughs> yeah, no, Florida is very nice. And have uh, have you any New Year's resolutions? Do you do the resolutions? I do. I love to get refocused on any Monday, any first day of the month and any first day of a year. So okay. I don't miss opportunities to refocus myself on my goals and what I'm working on. But I also know that life happens and I see success as a staircase. And there are points in our life and year that we have to pause right on that staircase. So I think I have a healthy view of resolutions. Oh, good. Um, well, you're better than mine. Mine mine usually start on the uh, 31st of December and the end on the 4th of January. So <laughs> at, least, at least you're more positive. So I gave a little introduction about your background. Can you let the listeners know a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I think maybe the coolest thing about me is that I'm a mom to four teenagers. And oh, dear. I can only say that for a couple of years, but I had four right. kids in five years. So it is exciting and crazy and amazing. You, <laughs> um, you had four kids in five years? I did. And, and on purpose. Isn't that something? Was there no <laughs> television in the house, Leon? No. <laughs> You're so funny. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it's neat to see them growing into themselves and figuring that out their way. I have to admit, I kind of like to fast forward through some of it, um, but it's really special. And I just feel like I'm getting to do my dream job. And are they, are they trouble? Can you say this? while we're recording are they are they causing you any problems leanne you can tell me 
Um, you know, we have hiccups, but I always say they're delicious. Like they just are, you know, neat and amazing in their own way. And yes, of course, things that, you know, aren't just like what their mother would do. That's mildly annoying. I'm not going to lie. All right. But, you know, I, I feel really lucky. So do you get much spare time with these four teenagers? I mean, what, what do you do in your spare time? They do go to school and they do a couple of them drive. So that is helpful. So I do have some spare time and I, there's a a few things that fill up the rest of my day. And one is doing a little bit of life coaching. Okay. My focus for the past couple of years has been really helping people dealing with chronic illness or dealing with hard things in their life and wanting to move forward, wanting to make peace with that part of their life. Right. And We can get so tripped up in the crummy, in the parts of our life that we didn't choose, but feel consuming. And the truth is that we really can set those things aside on a shelf and we can get excited about things that are within our control. And so it's been my privilege. I mean, it's just, I, it was a very natural thing for me to do just personality skill, right? Like just what I love to do conversations with people and helping them step back from their life, look at the big picture, figure out how to move forward, what they're excited about, what they can be the boss of. Right. So that, that has been fun in the last couple of years, I've hung my shingle out and it's good. You're so annoyingly positive. Usually I'm, <laughs> I'm the, uh, the one that is kind of like, why is he so positive? But you're so positive. I mean, is it, do you, have you had that from a young age? Oh my goodness. Yes. And let me tell you, my friend, it's genetic because (laughs) my grandfather who's gone now was annoyingly positive. I mean, he was just so optimistic that it made you want to barf, you know, like you're like, (laughs) seriously, like it can't be that good. And he was actually a very poor man um, by this world standards, but he thought he had the world by the tail. You know, he just was full of joy and he celebrated the little things. I, I remember when the McDonald's hamburger was 69 cents, right? Oh, like, oh that's showing oh, your age now, Leanne. That's I know, really showing I know I'm age, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he would say, he would hold that hamburger and say, Leanne, can you believe we can get all of this for 69 cents? Like he would just celebrate <laughs> these silly dumb things. And so because of growing up around him and recognizing it in myself, That's why I know it's genetics. There's some things that come very naturally to us, right, David? I could ask you to name off the top three things that you're good at, and you know what those are. I don't know about that now, Leanne. I don't know. I don't think some people (laughs) would criticize me, you know? But anyway, go on. I know what you mean. Yep. (laughs) I know with confidence that people really have different (laughs) gifts. And it's interesting because I liken this whole gift of positivity to a gifted musician. And when we all know those people, right? And same kind of annoying. It's like, are you kidding me? Like they can just sit down at the piano. They can play. It's just beautiful. They pick up a piece of music. They hear one, right? And yep. and you're just like, are you? how did that miss me? <laughs> you know? And I took 13 years of piano and those lessons were worth it. And I enjoyed it. And no one will ever pay me to play the piano. And that's okay. It's not my gift. Right. But that gifted musician shares their gift. They play for us. We enjoy it. And you know, the lessons that I took were worth it. 
even though I didn't turn into a gifted musician. And so I really played around with this theory about positivity that it's a gift and I need to share it. And when we can view it as a skill, then it's something that I can teach and you can learn and get better. And will you turn into me? Probably not right? But that's okay. There's still value in learning and being able to be more positive and deal with life in a more positive way. So anyways, that's like the long version of what I've been filling my time up with. No, not at all. It's, that's that's a very good version. I mean, it's interesting because as I'm listening to you there, um, I mean, so the listeners know that I, I was the one that reached out to Leanne because usually I get a lot of requests every week from guests come on on the podcast um but i hadn't chatted to anybody yet about uh, ms and i was looking through looking through uh websites and information articles and then leanne when you got when you talk about positivity if you just look at her website uh, leannesigle.com it just shines with positivity and um i think that's the reason why I, I reached out to you because you can see the smiles in your face on, on, on your website. And we're going to chat obviously today about, uh, about MS. I mean, am I right in calling it MS or should we be calling it multiple sclerosis? I mean, is MS a lazy way of saying it? No, <laughs> you're no. so funny. MS is fine <laughs> and it's easier. And the only reason I use multiple sclerosis is for clarity purposes. Right. Um, in my writing, I may like, write the whole word out for those that are not as familiar, but MS is definitely okay. Right. Because it's kind of, I don't want to sound like a kind of like a Gen Z, you know, or like, <laughs> hey, hey, like, you know, it's MS, like, you know, kind of sound all cool. Um, not making fun of any Gen Zs out there. Just in case you want to email me with your complaints. Um, so generally, I'm looking here and your introduction is wonderful. This is where we're going to lead on to our, our topic today. So it mentions here on your website, you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at 29 with four kids, six years old and under, and despite always being a planner, you never imagined this. So let's get this started. So somebody as stupid as me, um, what is MS or what is multiple sclerosis? In terms of we're not here as, I'm not here as a doctor or any medical professional, you're, you're living with this. So what have you been told and what is it as far as you're aware? Yeah. So MS is an autoimmune disease. So when people hear autoimmune, I know that's thrown around and maybe your your audience already knows this, but it just means that your, your immune system is working against you, right? So our immune system are, is the little soldiers inside of us that's supposed to be fighting off viruses and bugs and bad guys. Yep. And when you have autoimmune conditions, your immune system has gotten confused, turned around, and it's working against you. And with patients that are diagnosed with MS, the immune system specifically is attacking the central nervous system. So central nervous system is your motherboard. It's brain, neck, spinal cord. It's what's telling your whole system what to do. Okay. Yeah. And when the immune system goes in, it's eating the myelin off of the nerve. So the myelin is like the electrical or the plastic coating on an electrical wire. And when you have a lamp and it's plugged into the wall, if a mouse chews the electrical wire, there becomes a disconnect, right? And now yeah. the lamp flickers. So the connection doesn't get through. Same concept with MS. So the immune system is eating that plastic coating off of your nerve. And so the connection isn't the getting through. So you end up with a long list of possible symptoms, right? Anything yeah. 
numbness, tingling, um, paralysis, vision loss, fatigue, uh, lots of motor issues, uh, speech, cognitive abilities, um, memory loss, right? So, you know, this list can go on and on. Um, and it makes sense, right? Why you would have all those troubles when your central nervous system is being damaged. When um, is it, Leanne, sorry, is, is, it, is it genetic? I mean, would, would family members pass this on or does the science community or doctors, do they know the full reasons of why you got it, for example? Right. Or you have so, so unfortunately, no known cause, no known cure, right? That's the yeah. worst part of this whole podcast that I, message I'm going to give to people. Um, and so it's not considered genetic. Now, I want to put a little asterisk there and say okay. that you will find family members that have MS. And it's probably more because they've been in the same environment. Okay. Um, it's all theories, Right. And I've right. read books. I've read current research from Harvard Medical School, and they are making a lot of progress. There's a lot of hope for newly diagnosed patients today, even a lot more than there was, you know, it, when I was 29, like 12, 13 years ago. Um, but there's still a lot of unknowns. Why, what triggered the immune system, right, to turn on us and to start destroying good parts of us and that yeah there's viruses now that are a possible connection to that event that immune system changing its mind but again all theories so you were you were 29 and you're very young did did so let's pretty much start with how are you feeling so irrelevant yeah. of the symptoms that are out there maybe different for each individual but how how were you feeling and how why did you get tested or what was the what was the reason behind you finding out discovering you had ms yeah so i was dealing with some numbness and tingling in my left hand and my left arm really would it would come and go sometimes it would be what i i call symptoms loud and quiet okay, okay. so sometimes yeah. our symptoms are really loud and like your hand is super numb and i always describe it you know after you go get a cavity filled at the dentist and you know your face feels a certain way like 15 minutes after oh man it's like super numb and then you know how it feels like 2 hours afterwards well it's a little bit less numb so when you think about the scale of how numb something feels you can kind of picture that yeah. well I was dealing with that. I was convinced that I had a pinched nerve like up in my neck and shoulder area. And I had these four cute kids and I was carrying around somebody on my hip all the time. So it kind of makes sense that I would be out of alignment and maybe I had like a spinal thing, right? Like, and I didn't go to medical school for lots of great reasons. One, because I wasn't interested. And right. so, <laughs> you know, we all think we are smart with WebMD. And oh, yes. we yeah. Google our way to solutions. And at the time I had an HMO. And when you have an HMO for your insurance provider, you have to go to your family doctor to get a referral to any specialty, right? What's a HMO just so for anybody that's yeah. in different parts of the world? Yeah. So I, I can't give you a super smart answer about that, but okay. it's just a certain style of health insurance. And there's a, like here in the US, we have HMOs, we have PPOs, and I don't even know what those acronyms mean, but they come with different rules. Okay. And so when 
at the time we had this HMO and the, the rule was you can't just decide to go to the chiropractor, but you can go to your family doctor, right? Like your primary care doctor and talk to them. And if they agree with you, then they can make the referral. And then the insurance will like give their nod and pay for the chiropractor. Right. But I couldn't as the patient just make that decision willy nilly. Right. Yeah. So um, it actually makes a lot of sense because it kind of prevent. it's like one more step between WebMD yeah. <laughs> and the interest for <laughs> things that make no sense. Right. right. So my family doctor who I love and I'm like, I give him a hug every time I see him because I give him a lot of credit at that point, you know, I'm kind of ornery and I think I have things figured out and <laughs> I just thought he should send me to the chiropractor and I would get all straightened out and this numbness would go away and everything would be fine. And it was all structural. And he said, you know what, Leanne, if you were 69, I might be willing to do that. But because you're 29, I think we should have a few things checked out. I had fallen that summer and I, it's interesting how our mind looks for answers. So I got out of bed one day and I had no feeling in my legs. I hit the ground. Um, And what's, interesting about that. I mean, that part was scary and of course startling, but instantly my mind tried to reason why did that happen? Well, I would always have a toddler in my bed and I probably like my legs probably fell asleep, like the way I was sleeping with my arm under a kiddo. Right. So we try to explain why some of these things happen. We don't, I, I shouldn't say we, I look for why, <laughs> right? Because there are there are people that go the other direction, right? Yeah. And they think, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, they've purchased a wheelchair on Amazon, you know, in the next moment. And I that's not my nature. And so I would dismiss. So this is the not good part of the rose-colored glasses like positive land yeah. is that you become dismissive of the red flags. And So really in the last decade, I've been on a mission to help people notice symptoms because really I feel like I'm doing as well as I am because of early diagnosis. And because that family doctor said, "Eh, time out, Leanne, I need you to go see a neurologist. The neurologist needed me to go have an MRI, right? And the rest is history. So the testing there, we'll get onto that then. So you you had to get an MRI. So Mm-hmm. So from the beginning of when you the doctor sent you for the tests to the mm-hmm. final diagnosis, uh, how long did that take and what did the tests involve? And are they, I mean, I'll be kind of blunt, I mean, are they painful? Are they annoying? How does it work? Because I think a lot of people are, are fearful, especially myself, I suppose, that when you hear yeah. you have to get a test of something. And then, as you mentioned, yeah. you go onto these websites and the website goes, oh, don't do this. And that pain, that test is painful and I wouldn't do that. And But as you also mentioned, it's good to uh, get early screening for any possible issues that might get worse as you as you go along. So, yeah. So from the from the moment the doctor says, go, go get a test to the point of diagnosis. What how long would that take? And then what, what were the tests that were involved? 
So I'm really fortunate. And that was probably only about a six week window. And that was because I got into the neurologist. When you go to the initial visit, she does a physical exam. What that looks like is me standing, hands out, eyes closed. She's looking at balance. She's having me um, touch the end of my nose, touch the end of her finger, walk a straight line, right? She's looking for anything that is manifesting itself on the outside. When that's done. She says, Leanne, we need an MRI. So an MRI is a picture of your brain and spinal cord. And it is a machine that you lay down and you um, kind of get, it's, it's, you're like on a sliding table Yep. and it slides you into like a tunnel like machine. Now, if you are claustrophobic, this is not a fun test. Okay. If you are a little bit claustrophobic, this is not a fun test, right? (laughs) Because when they take a picture of the brain and your head has to be perfectly still, you're okay. So your head is laying in this hard plastic space and they don't want you to move. So they put some padding next to your, the sides of your head. You can picture this, right? So they're wanting you to be so perfectly stationary. Now that I'm older and wiser, I tell them, oh, no, 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 no. I will be a good kid and I will hold my head perfectly still. You are not putting that padding next to my cheeks. Like to me, that just, ah, it's so tight. You know, I don't like that feeling. (laughs) So people end up having to kind of figure out their tolerance level for that space. Some people love to have their eyes covered up with a washcloth. I need, I want to look out and see the, you know, light of day. All of those things are personal preference, but the reality is, is that the tests can take quite a while. And so you'll have uh, like your brain and your cervical spine and sometimes the full spine. So cervical spine is the neck portion of your spine, right? Yeah. And um, so, and then they'll pull you out and you'll have an IV and they'll add contrast that. And then they'll do the whole set of pictures again, because then they can look at the differences of your brain with and without contrast. Contrast is kind of like a dye that is going to help them see activity in the brain. And by activity, I mean damage that is currently being done by your immune system. Right. So. And how long are you lying there roughly? I mean, is it all in one go? or? So how long you, I mean, with the MRI, does it have those like a kind of like a type of magnet type of sound going on or do oh. they give you headphones? <laughs> oh, you, they make you put in earplugs, but you're literally laying next to a jackhammer. Yeah. I mean, like don't feed yourself. I mean, there's no just, da, 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 da. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness. Am I like laying on a New York City sidewalk? I feel like, you know. um, and for length of time that there is such a huge, you I have had MRIs that have been three to four hours when it's been the full and typically a couple hours. And then this year I was in a new machine and they have sped the process up and I was about one hour. And so I think really the length of time is improving, but as far as where those machines are and how many systems are updated, right? Like I hate to like give people hope <laughs> that they landed <laughs> in the right spot with the right new machine. But yeah. you know, after over, I think I've done about 30 MRIs. Oh, wow. So how often do you have to get it done? So now I don't only have to have it done once a year. 
Right. And but it's when painless, is it? Painless, yeah. Other painless. than the eye. Yeah, painless. Mm-hmm. Other than the hammering noise and the claustrophobia. The best part of this story is that you will meet, like, <laughs> half of the people will tell you that they'll take a nap. Oh, right. Your... Yeah, it's impressive. I'm like, wow. Okay. That's not my idea of, like, nap noise. But for some people, they can rest during it. So definitely not the scariest part of the journey, in my opinion. So, but um, they can put headphones on you and you can relax. Is that okay? Is it? Yeah, for sure. And there's even some locations and machines that they'll pipe in radio and music and right. So there's different things and creature comforts that they have that have come a long ways. So testing that part of testing, while I would call it in the annoying column, it's not horrible and nothing to really be that afraid of as long as you are super honest with your doctor about, you know, how claustrophobic you are. And for those people, they will actually help them with maybe like a Xanax or whatever. I don't even know what's all prescribed. Um, I just know one friend takes a Xanax and that helps them be calmer. Like just kind of relax and chill out. Yeah, exactly. So so when you're when you're in the MRI scan, you never heard of the Wellbeing Career World podcast being blasted through the MRI machine. No, it wasn't definitely wasn't being no, okay, for that. Um, no. So what about the, so when they told you that you, the doctor or the medical team told you that you had MS, I mean, how did you feel considering you're 29? Did you think it was a mistake? Oh my goodness. I, I want to paint this picture for you. Okay. Yeah. Because here I am. So we've gotten to know each other. I'm rose colored glasses. I think everything's going to be fine. I think it's all structural right inside of me. Like we're just going to fix something. <laughs> and I am so confident. And it's October 23rd of 2009. And I even Don offered to take time off of work and meet me at the doctor's office. And I was like, oh no, I'm fine. You don't need to do that. You know? And when the neurologist said, Leanne, we are 99% sure that you have MS, I like it, I, I was so dumbfounded. I all I could picture in my mind was a wheelchair. And right. to be honest, I didn't really know that much about MS. I knew of people that had it. And I just felt like in that moment they were gonna wheel me out of this office that I had walked into. And it just felt like, how can I do this? How can I do this forever? And that's the hard part about chronic illness is that there's no bell to ring. This is not something that we're going to put a cast on and right recover yeah. from in eight to 12 weeks. And that is so overwhelming as a young person, as a young mom, for anybody at any stage in their life. I work with newly diagnosed people, you know, uh, someone this year that's 50. It's so overwhelming to him that forever this has to be part of his story. And so I really, I really, really, really struggled. And for about six to eight weeks, I was, I would say moderately depressed. I obviously still took care of everybody and I would lay in bed at night and tears would just come down my out of my eyes, like just laying there, like I wasn't sobbing and, you know, it wasn't that I, 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 it's hard to paint the picture, right? I was just sad. I didn't, I didn't want to learn about MS. 
I didn't want to figure out what drug to go on. I didn't want to, I mean, the internet is a very amazing and scary place. Yeah. Right. And when people are newly diagnosed, I tell them to tip toe through the internet, like very, very cautiously go online because I feel like the internet attracts the winners and the whiners. The whiners. I agree with that. Yeah. It's a dark place at times. Yeah. It is. And the whiners, we all know, right? Like the sky is falling. Everything is wrong. Worst day ever, you know, like ruined my life. And I'm not discounting their experience. It could be very, very valid, but they share it online and it's easy to trip over those stories when you're starting to learn. The winners, on the other hand, are also annoying. They are (laughs) people maybe a little bit like me. And so I always like give lots of fair warning to people. I've figured this out now, right? And I am at a different place. I, I mourned first and then I got here. I didn't start here, right? I was sad and bummed and salty. And then I figured my way out of that space. And I tell people to really respect the hard with their diagnosis. Like you don't have to be better in three days. Like you don't have to be okay with this in a week. It's very normal. And it's, this is a big deal and it's okay to be annoyed. (laughs) Like just accepting of yourself and those feelings and emotions, I think is really healthy. Can I ask you, so you mentioned there when you got the, the diagnosis and you thought in your mind that, you know, you might be in a wheelchair or brought out in a wheelchair and stuff like that. So getting back to the internet side of when you, you read these stories, either the positive or the negatives, was was that in your mind? Is that the picture that you had in your head from years ago that you will end up in a wheelchair or you'll be in a well, wheelchair? For sure, right? Like yeah. just media and someone that I knew that really struggled with her mobility. And it's actually my husband's aunt. And even though I knew her story, I actually know quite a bit about her story and knew that I wasn't her. In that moment, I didn't have any other data points. I don't know anybody else. You know, I couldn't think of a success story or someone that was more successful than her in dealing with a chronic illness, right? Like MS. And the treatments then, I mean, obviously as technology advances and just new treatments out, new medications, I mean, is the treatments available or is there treatments available that can actually manage your MS and can you live a normal life with it? For sure. And this is, have I already said this is the best part of the podcast? I always accidentally say that too many times. Okay. This is the best part of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is the best part. There is so much hope for patients that are diagnosed with MS It is the field that they have made the most progress in when I talk about um, brain diseases, okay? So when we talk about ALS, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, um, uh, brain tumors, and MS, those are all issues with the brain. And MS is winning as far as treatments and options and the science. So I am so thankful for that and I'm benefiting from that for sure. Is yeah. is the how do I put this? Kind of like for your say family and friends or your partner, 
or your husband or your wife. I mean, how is it for them? So I'm I'm not getting the violins out here because obviously you're you're the one dealing with it or living with it. But for relationship wise, th- does that have to be managed as well? Because you may not feel well one day, you feel good for two days. Is that how it goes? Is it? Oh yes, for sure. And the support team, the people that care about you and that are around you, it's like they they got a disease too, right? It yeah. now is part of their journey. And it is such an important piece of the puzzle that I think now is being acknowledged a lot more in past years, right? 10, 20 years ago, that wasn't spoken about as much. But now we see patient caregiving teams that are speaking at conferences and sharing how they deal with it. and, And it's interesting. But I think that walking alongside of them, learning alongside of them, helping when they, when I'm tired of learning about it, like those are all really, really important things and ways that your support team or partner or family can show up for you. And I mean, that just means so much. The other thing that I feel like, you know, I have been so fortunate with is help making the decisions right? Because now you're in a space that you're trying to rapidly get educated about. And you're trying to ask good questions of your doctors, you're trying to make good decisions. And so to have somebody that can go with you to appointments and soak that up and help you remember the questions that you had, and obviously notebooks and journals and all of those tools are helpful too. But I don't know, in the moment, you know, those, that first year, I was so thankful for Don going with me to appointments and helping make decisions and make me feel at peace with the decisions that we made. And and how, how did they react when you told them the news? I mean, was it denial? Was it shock? Did they kind of say, oh, the medical team are wrong. Let's get this checked again. Or how was the, the vibe? So the, all the, signs were there for me. So there really was no question. And I mean, on that very day on October 23rd, I mean, I was paralyzed in that parking lot and, and heartbroken and, you know, he left work and came to me and I, I mean, he's just such a comfort and I, yeah, I mean, he wins awards <laughs> for just being there for me. And if I want to question something, then we're going to question it, right? And it's not that, I mean, and, and if there is something that needs to be pointed out or asked, he's good about bringing it up, but it it's definitely like the ball is in my court. And I mean, he and I are both firstborns, so we know this about each other. And I mean, today we've been married 23 years. Oh, wow. So okay. There's- <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, right. Thank you. But there, and I mean, obviously this was, yeah, we must've been about the 10 year mark um, when I was diagnosed and, but right. There is an understanding of each other and can, I feel like he can pick up when I drop the ball and, but also understands when I've got the ball and I don't, and I need the space to figure it out myself. And and did you have, did you have all your four teenagers now and um, yeah. before your diagnosis or was there some after or in between 
Nope. I had them all before. And what's interesting is that based on my MRI, they feel like I had MS 10 years before I was diagnosed um, because of the number of lesions on my spinal cord. Right. But uh, pregnancy and nursing really suppresses MS symptoms. And I was pregnant or nursing for like seven and a half years of those 10. And so the doctor kind of teased us that, you know, we could just keep having kids and I would probably continue to feel really good. But, you know, that didn't seem like it made the most sense. People that you might know that have or you've worked with that have been diagnosed with MS, have they have they had children afterwards? Oh, yeah. Lots of them. Lots of moms with MS that have had babies uh, before, during, after. And obviously treatment is affected. By pregnancy, so there's some drugs that are not pregnancy friendly, but there we have options. We have a lot of options. So there, it it is so amazing for those that are diagnosed today to just know with confidence that there is the science there on their side to help them. I mean, I, I can't even tell you like how much joy it brings me because I just spoke with someone newly diagnosed a couple weeks ago. And she's at that space, right? They were getting yeah. ready to start their family and um, lots of worries about it. And there just is a lot of help for her. No, that's it's brilliant. It's, as I say, you know, science is, is great. And it's keeping us going, I have to say. I mean, I, are you scared at all? I know you mentioned there with your diagnosis on, on the day you kind of froze. And it, it, it's the, the day-to-day things. Are you Are you ever scared when you wake up in the morning that's going to take kind of control of you mentally more than Mm -hmm. you did two years ago or three years ago Mm -hmm. so that is not my default setting um but i would say that it's always in the back of my mind that i'm going to have another relapse so i relapsed in 2017 and i had to change treatments and I always say that when I relapsed, I kind of mourned for half the time of my diagnosis morning. So it was like my disease was getting worse and here positivity and optimism was not the secret, right? Like for, for about seven and a half years, I thought, oh my goodness, I am one of the special ones that this disease is not going to progress. And you know, this is working. (laughs) So it was very disappointing when I developed optic neuritis, which is also a symptom of MS. And it was a sign that the drug had stopped working. And so consider that a drug fail. And so I had to choose another drug. And so then you kind of go through that whole process again, right? Learn, 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 make smart decisions, be sad. This is a bummer, more tests, go to the hospital. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I'm smart enough to not be excited about going through that again, but I am so hopeful because research and science really is on my side. Um, And I've had good results since that new treatment, which was in 2018 and 2019. You're just full of positivity. I mean, when, when, when you go to bed at night and you wake up in the morning, um, is it is it a the reason I'm asking these questions is because obviously people sometimes wake up unhappy, they wake up tired, they wake up fatigued, they wake up you know different emotions, different symptoms. But now, even now, I mean, do you when you wake up in the morning, does it take you a while to get going, or am I being totally stupid with this question? 
No, you're not. You're not. And I think that there are people in both camps, right? But I go to bed with those feelings. I go to bed exhausted, kind of feeling like, oh my goodness, I should have gotten more done, blah, blah, blah. Right. So any of those feelings happen to me at night. So the mornings are beautiful for me. I feel rested. I sleep well. And it's when I have my best energy. And so Right. That's, that's my sweet spot. So it's a good thing we're talking at 10 o'clock. You know, I'm just saying yeah. <laughs> this might have sounded a little different if we were in the evening. We always say that nice mommy goes to bed at nine. And right. so if you come ask me after nine, like your host. <laughs> oh dear. That's not cool. I, I, I planned that well, kind of, <laughs> so to speak. So then, right. Before we move on to the business side of things, um, the, what positive words then do you have? Like, we spoke about symptoms and diagnosis and, um, you know, how you're feeling and, but what positive words do you have for anybody with MS or has generally just found out in the last few minutes or the last couple of days that, that they have it? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, right. So we've covered the really awesome medicine side that is on their side. Yeah. Um, I, what I, where I really spend most of my time is in the mental strength space and helping people realize how much power they really have over how they feel, um, based on how they think. And this happened about 10 years ago, uh, maybe even 11 or 12. I was feeling grouchy about the fact that I had MS and I would look down at my hand and it was numb and tingly on my left hand. And it just would be this constant reminder, right, of this new truth and this new group of people that I'm part of and this new topic that I need to be smart about. And I just would have a bad attitude. And right. <laughs> in this moment, right, like you you get that, right? It happens. Yep. It does happen. <laughs> yeah. And I I was looking down at that hand and I noticed a watch that I had purchased and I love watches. I like bright ones, cheap ones, fancy ones, all, all of them. And I looked at the watch and I thought, oh my goodness, Leanne, you are so smart for buying that. That is so stinking cute. And in the moment, I started calling that my frosting. And I look at life, life can kind of be like dry, crummy cake right? Like it's hard. There are things that we didn't choose. It's not what we planned. It's not what we were hoping for. You didn't put all your ingredients together and like put your cake in the oven and fingers crossed, this is dry and crummy and not that awesome, right? Nobody does that. And so yet what do we do when we get that? When we take it out of the oven and it's not awesome, we go to the cupboard, we get a jar, maybe even two of frosting and we layer it on thick the bite can still be enjoyable. So in life, I feel like there is frosting and it can be anything, sunshine, puppy, healthy kids, new Birkenstocks, old Birkenstocks, right? My cute watch. And by pausing and appreciating it, noticing it, that it's like applying the frosting to the cake. It works its magic. You and I have both taken a bite of cake that was not awesome cake, but it was delicious frosting. And we thought, eh, you know, it's worth the calories. Yep. (laughs) And so I think it's such a healthy tool for people because we all have frosting, but if we don't notice and appreciate it, it's like frosting in the jar, right? It's there, but it's not working its magic. And so that is one simple, simple perspective tool that changed 
it really helped me shift out of the poor me pity party that I had that is not that fun to host. No one wants to attend. Right. Yeah. Um, and I shifted myself out of that. And and the, my whole frosting theory, you know, I started and I started the hashtag frosting Fridays and encouraging people to just share something. Right. And, and it can be the littlest thing, coffee in the morning, you know, a call from your mom, a text from your grandma, anything. But it's in the pausing, noticing, appreciating that has a huge impact on us and it makes a big difference. I, you're, you're, I just keep saying it loads of times, like I'm like a parrot, but you're you're very, well, you're so positive. It's, um, I mean, I, I have a pity party every day, Leanne, to myself. I look in the mirror, <laughs> I do, and I look at my hair and go, why are you going so grey? Why? Why? How dare you? I have right. problems. Um, so what is then? So let's move on then to the... Um, uh, I always say the business side of things, but I won't even say the business side of things today. We'll just move on to the services you provide and the coaching you provide. But what is Try to Beat MS? Okay. Did I pronounce that correctly, did I? Yeah, you did. Perfect. Okay. Cool. So, so real quick, I think it's uh, an important point to make that sometimes, and I would say more often than not, it's very healthy to do something good with the bad part of your story. So I want to say that again. Do okay. something good with the bad part of your story. There are things that you have faced that were hard, that you didn't choose, that you now have become more aware of things that other people go through and face, right? And so now that we've been forced to learn this, what good can we do with this part of our story? And Try to Beat MS is a kid's triathlon. It is a nonprofit that I founded eight and a half years ago. And we... Our number one mission is to raise money to help MS patients. So the truth about chronic illness is that it's chronic, it's forever, and it comes with chronic costs. And those are forever. And so recognizing that there are people out there that don't have the as good of health insurance, they don't have options to uh, remodel their bathroom and make it handicap accessible, right? If that becomes a need, uh, lots and lots of very expensive, oh, pieces to the puzzle, right? Of taking care of themselves. So our number one mission is to raise money for patients. And our secondary mission is to inspire kids to love fitness. So along my journey, I, I am an academic, I am not an athlete. And so fitness was not part of my story, but when your mobility could be taken away, that's a powerful why. And that reality, that truth about MS really motivated me to lean into fitness and it became a passion and I am not fast. I am not ripped. I don't don't teach anything. I (laughs) I am not a personal (laughs) trainer. Like, no, 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 do not misunderstand me. But I show up and I work out almost every single day. And that is because I can. And it feels like such, I don't know, I I don't want to say blessing, but like, it's just such a privilege to be able to move. And when you view it that way, it's, it's not a hardship. I mean, tell everybody how much you raised so far. Yeah, so we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars, and that's, that's this, amazing. Or as the Gen Zs would say, that's amazing. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're way up on that, way more than me. And, you know, um, we're going into our ninth year and it is just magical because it brings a community together. And really, you know, the secondary mission of inspiring kids to love fitness my thought was that if we can get kids addicted to movement and to fitness and to races, like race energy is so exciting. Everybody comes together. They've worked hard. They're doing this amazing thing. There's all these volunteers and cheering, right? Like you can just picture this energy at the yeah. event. If we can get kids addicted to that, how powerful is that? And we know those kiddos are going to face hard things. They are. It, it's not going to be MS. It's going to be something else or something else or something else. And what if they have, like, when people go to the doctor, the doctor says, you need to exercise, right? Like, yeah, heard it a million times. Well, then when the doctor says it, it feels like a prescription, right? And yeah. no one wants another prescription. But if fitness is just part of what we do, it's just who we are, amazing. Like, so much strength and an amazing tool for anyone. No, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, the amount of money you've raised—I mean, geez—it's it's it's uh, amazing. It's you've you've done you've done amazing things, and you you continue to do amazing things. I'm I'm actually being nosy here again. I usually do this when guests are on. I'm uh, on your website, leannesickle.com, and I you have um, information about yourself. You have a shop, you have a podcast, you have coaching, you have speaking, you have a blog. So tell me this. When it comes to the coaching and say the speaking after, so for the coaching generally, is it one on one or is it in? Can you do like corporate coaching or how how does it work? So right now it is one on one. I'm actually I this 2023 is going to lead us into a group style of coaching because I think that uh, my people will do well in a community together, a lot of yeah. them, and they will appreciate the community aspect and they'll find commonalities with each other um, that maybe are different than me, right? Like not every nut job has four kids. And so they want to <laughs> talk to somebody that has two kids, right? And so um, the group is coming and because I see the need for it and, and space for it, but right now it's one-on-one and let me tell you about that person, that person that comes to me, they are amazing already. Okay. And they are not like laying on the couch. I mean, if they are laying on the couch, they can come to me, but they're probably not the person that's ready to invest in themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, this is the person that says I can do this, but I don't know which this I should do. I don't know if running a 5K matters more than changing my job. I don't know if starting a fundraiser or getting my kids to eat veggies is more important, right? And so like we, and especially as women, I hate to generalize, but I'm just going to go there. Just go ahead. Um, go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. Right. Okay. So we <laughs> we like to juggle and juggling is great as long as you're a juggler. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so we've seen people juggle well, and that's perfect. And you should, and you can, and coaching helps that because there's always going to be more than one ball in the air. There, this is not the book. Pick one goal. Are you kidding me? That never in my life have I picked one. Goal. I think that's a bunch of baloney. I get what they're saying, but 
hello, like life is more than that. You know, I'm a mom, I'm a coach, I'm a wife, I'm a community member. You know, we have these different spaces and that is what juggling is. And so there are times that we're not good at juggling and maybe we have too many balls in the air. And so it's just a beautiful process of walking with somebody, helping them step back from their life, see the big picture and get refocused and I I cannot even tell you how much fun it is, the magic. And, and like you and I both have seen good coaching, right? Well, I I think, I think you're much more uh, passionate than I am. I have to say, Leanne, I think you're, you're, (laughs) I'm, uh, you know, I I can barely get out of bed in the morning. And uh, my excuse is just because I want nine hours sleep (laughs) instead of of eight, like, you know, so uh, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Go ahead. Continue. Well, it's just so exciting. And and I hold space for those people that have said this matters to me, right? Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about coaching is that people have made the decision for themselves um, that this is important. And I'm going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of my money and lean into this. And what happens when they do that is we make progress. And progress is always the goal. In fact, progress is perfection. So we right? So perfectionism is debilitating. And I know that from personal experience. And what's so amazing is changing your mindset that progress is perfection. And it's so exciting because it's so possible. It's not impossible to make progress. We can all take steps forward and then we can course correct when we take those steps forward. And a good coach helps and ask the right question and cheers and points out what they're doing well and also points out what they're not doing great. And that's the magic. The very best athletes have a coach. So it's not that the coach is better than the athlete, right? The very top athletes do not have someone that is beating them, but they have the ability to watch them and push them and remind them of what they committed to. And so it's just... It really is a privilege and I love it. I know I was cut out to do it, you know. Is there anything, Leanne? I'm listening to you there, right? And it's amazing because you're doing so much for everybody else and you've been diagnosed with MS and you're living with MS. Is there anything that you wish, I mean, you're still young, don't get me wrong, but is there anything, any job you would have liked to do or any dream you had, which you haven't done yet. The reason it's coming to my mind is because you're doing, I'm listening to you there, and I wasn't going to ask you this question, but it just came to my mind because you're doing so much for everybody else. But is there anything that you wish that, I mean, did you want to jump out of an aeroplane? Did you want to, <laughs> you know, swim swim across the Atlantic? Or, you know, I, I don't know. But was there anything you kind of, you dream of when you get up in the morning and say, I'd love to do that? Oh, I, this is a great question. And if we had like 14 more hours, then we could go over my whole list. But okay. um, honestly, the top two. Um, write a book. <laughs> okay. It, it really is a dream and it feels really hard to me. Right. And, uh, I and what type writing. of book would you write? Would it be about your life or would it be about something else? No, not a memoir. This is tools. So you're, you're talking to a practical person right. that wants to help people get there faster. 
get going, right? It's the yeah. whole, it's my whole thing. Like, let's go. Let's not be stuck. Let's not focus on the crummy. Let's find the silver. Like, we can do this. You can do this. And and the book has to offer hope. It has to be practical. It has to be bright and colorful and it has to have different fonts. And like, it's, it has <laughs> all these things, right? And so <laughs> I trip myself up big time. And, and eventually I will just need to get a coach specific to that dream and that project. And you know what I mean? Like, I clearly know I don't I don't know everything. <laughs> write the book. You should write, write the, the book. book. Yeah, we want we want to hear, we want to see, we want to read the book. Um okay, so that's one thing. What's the next thing? So the next thing would be to really um, spread my event, try to beat MS, our nonprofit, uh, across all places, like to help other people start one in their space because it has been so incredible for us and our community and what it's done for our family and all the things. Right. So yeah. it raises money, of course, but I can mentor people. I would love to mentor other people that have like the heart of a volunteer or the heart of a charitable donor. Right. Like that really is my heart. I, and I always say that as long as I make more than I can donate, then the event makes sense. Right. And so yes. It, it has always made more than I was willing to write a check for. Thus, it's been worth it. I would love, love, love to kind of package it, um, turn it into, I, I could do like an online class and people could purchase that. And then like for $47, like learn from me, do this. And I already have tools and spreadsheets and you know what I mean? Like, wouldn't that be so cool? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I'm still again. I'm looking at your website here, and the colors are fantastic. I mean, you. Would, I think you would do brilliant in Ireland, to be honest with you. I think it's we need somebody <laughs> with your um, your smiles and your passion, and you're an inspiration. So it's it's uh, yeah. As I said before, that's the reason why I reached out to you because it's it's. Um, I was trying to get to chat to somebody uh, like yourself for a long time, and and just everything about you just just oozes confidence so well done you so before i start crying because i've no tissues um <laughs> where do we find you on social media yeah so first of all it, it's a good thing this is audio only because you are definitely making me blush and you are so kind and i really <laughs> really appreciate that and i'm appreciate i i'm thankful that the website speaks to you because oh, it does it really does i it's i wanted it to be different but i wanted it to be obvious what what and who I am and what people can expect. Um, so I probably spend the most time on Instagram and there it's just, I am Leanne Stickle. And I also have a Facebook community and that's called not defined by chronic illness. And it really is just a community. We chit chat in there and it's fun and it's not whiny. And so I created it because I wanted a space that wasn't, we could talk about chronic illness, but we weren't a bunch of wine bags. And, um, and, and that community, Leanne, so somebody can sign up for that via Facebook and they can be part of that community. Is that how it works? And that, is that worldwide? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. Totally. And that's free. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the two places that I am the most is Instagram and my Facebook community. Brilliant. Well, thanks for so much for chatting with me today. And uh, I'll put all the links and the information and the link to Leanne's wonderful website, uh, once the podcast has been released. So uh, thanks so much to Leanne Sticker for chatting with me today on the Wellbeing and Career Work podcast. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you, David.